Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the Living Your Best Life in Africa podcast. And this is episode number two. so grateful that you're taking the time to just share a little space. I hope you had a great week Um, and it's been an eventful couple of weeks which is why I've chosen to talk about my next topic and this week we're going to talk about the fear of booking flights to Africa. Now I wanted to talk about this because at the time of recording this podcast We're just coming to terms with the terrible tragedy that was the Ethiopian plane crash that took the lives of 157 people as that plane took off and then six minutes later crashed in Addis Ababa. Um, Now, I don't know about you, but I've certainly prayed for those lost souls and I've prayed long and hard because it could easily have been me and many of the friends I know We're frequent flyers to Africa with Ethiopian Airlines and it's always been my airline of choice. For anyone who knows me, you will know that this is the only airline I want to fly with when I'm travelling to and from Africa. Why? Because it's an airline that knows its business in Africa and it's also African-owned And it's also state-owned, so the profits from that airline go into the government coffers and are used to support the people of Ethiopia. So for me, there's never been any doubt. In addition to that, I've flown to Africa with other airlines before, and I don't rate them as much as I rate Ethiopian airlines. But I'll be honest, this recent plane crash caused me a problem because it brings me front and centre with my own fears and also the fears of my family and friends about travelling with this airline. People who know me and love me have fears because they don't believe the airline is safe and obviously they don't want me to die in a plane crash. But in addition to that, It's almost as if the crash happening with an African airline brings front and centre the concerns people have about whether anything Africa does is good or as safe as anything Europe does. And this is sort of like the conscious and unconscious opinion that I'm battling with. And I understand that, given the images that we've seen on TV about the crash. And other people have also put some flight simulation and video online which looks really really real and I think that the reality of those pictures and those videos have helped to fuel that fear amongst my family and friends that I should no longer travel with this airline and I understand that but I have to say that these fears are irrational fears 
But nevertheless, those fears are there. And to my family and friends, those fears are real. But I think that the fears feed into a conscious and or unconscious perception that everything to do with Africa is substandard. The food, accommodation you get in Africa. If you go to Africa, you get diseases, you get robbed or murdered. People will eat you. Someone will pretend to love you, to try to marry you, to get a green card or entry into the UK. There are mosquitoes and malaria that will kill you. There's no drinking water, poor roads. You've got starving people, famine, and the list goes on and on. And it's no wonder that these lists keep growing. Cast your mind back to when you last saw a positive story about Africa that wasn't about Africans dancing for important European visitors who are visiting a particular African country or how much spice there is in our lovely food. I can't remember the last time I saw a story about booming African businesses, for example. We never see anything like that. We only ever see stories of poverty and, you know, people needing this and that. And it upsets the people. If you ever travel to Africa, it upsets African people because very little of that money filters down to our people. And although, you know, there's a part of me that's grateful for those NGOs, because sometimes when I see you know, let's take, for example, if there's a flood or an earthquake and I see the effects of that, sometimes I feel so helpless. And so sometimes I will donate money, quite a large sum of money. And I think to myself, do you know what? If our people get 50% or 40% of it, it's 40% that they didn't have before. So I donate. But it does get to me the fact that I never see any positive pictures and positive stories of our people across the 53 countries in Africa that don't relate to Africans singing and dancing and making European visitors merry. And I hate that. You know, we never get to see, for example, that Ethiopia has built the largest energy plant for converting trash into electricity. That plant is the size of 36 football pitches and supplies up to 30% of the electricity for the people of Addis Ababa. I mean, to me, that is amazing. And then there's Nigeria, for example. Nigeria has one of the most successful film and movie industries. They produce films that can bring in as much as one million American dollars a day. If you don't believe me, Check out a film called The Wedding Party. That film was huge. And at the time, it achieved that fantastic feat of bringing in $1 million in a day at a time when the Nigerian currency had lost 60% of its value. Can you imagine something like that happening in the UK or in America or Australia? Can you imagine their currencies losing 60% of their value, but people still go into the cinema to see films to the extent that they bring in $1 million a day. I mean, I've heard of, you know, so much millions a week. And I mean, they probably could. But the point is, you've got to put the, the, the money made in the context of what's happening to the currency. And we know that when currency is affected in the West... 
everybody goes into panic mode. And the last thing people do is spend money because there's a crisis of confidence. And I know that if an equivalent, if a relative feat like that had happened in Western countries, it would have become part of folklore. We would have never stopped hearing about it. I mean, we never hear about African fashion, for example. And African fashion has an estimated worth of $15.5 billion. $15.5 billion. I mean, it's not exactly the pictures of African children dressed in raggedy clothes with snot rolling down their faces, which we see peddled across our television screens every time there is an opportunity for NGOs to try to seduce people into giving money. Now, I'm not saying that those pictures aren't there, but I can take you to places and estates where I've worked, where I can see pictures of European children like that all day long. But at least we see good news stories about European communities in the UK, in America, in Europe, in Australia. We see those pictures. What I'm saying is we rarely ever see those pictures of African people in different African countries doing anything other than singing and dancing or entertaining visitors. Remember, I'm not saying that Africa doesn't have its problems Africa does have its problems, just like the UK as a continent has its problems. I mean, just think about the mess that the UK has got itself into with Brexit. All continents have their problems. But what I am saying is different, is that the constant negativity that we hear about Africa in the areas of people activity then that constant messaging, that constant negative messaging makes us monsterize Africa in our minds whenever we hear something negative about Africa. We tend to use that story of a plane crash, for example, as a catch-all story for what's wrong with Africa, for why Africa produces or does things to a lesser standard than the way they're done in Europe. And it's simply not true. We tend to distance ourselves from the continent, just like we distance ourselves from the behaviour of some African descent of black people in the UK because of the constant monsterization of our people in the press. Just to give you an idea of what I mean, when we hear stories about a really bad thing that's happened in the UK in an area where we know our people live. We have a tendency to say, oh, please, please don't let that be a black person who's committed that act or done that bad thing. We find ourselves wishing and hoping that we're not going to have to have the discussion at work or overhear the discussion at work and sort of feel like, we're part of the problem and we kind of have those feelings as if no other people and no other race commits crime or goes on with badness. And the reason that happens is because our reactions are groomed by the stories that we hear. If the only positive stories we hear are of, of Africans on the continent, and even Africans here, you know, we're singing, we're dancing, we're, you know, looking happy as we're entertaining, then it becomes difficult to see ourselves as anything other than that. 
So when we do hear these, you know, negative stories, we tend to say to ourselves, you know, that's not me. I just want to be left alone. I just want a quiet life. I don't want to be associated with that badness or that backwardness because it's not me. And we don't actually see that we're being groomed. Our minds are being groomed and conditioned into reacting that way. And in the same way that our minds are groomed into reacting that way in the UK, it's the same way that our minds are groomed into reacting negatively about the continent of Africa or an African country when we hear those negative stories. It's really easy to become desensitised to the natural good feelings that we have about ourselves in particular and African descent people in general. And whilst we know that we're good people, the stories that we are fed constantly, those negative stories make us doubt the integrity of our people. And it's not the same. The, the press and the media don't do the same thing to their own communities and all these things desensitize us to the natural good feelings we have about ourselves in particular and African countries and African people in general. And by African countries and African people, I'm including the Caribbean and countries where we have majority African or black populations. Now, I know that the subject is far more complex than this, but what I'm trying to show you is that on a general level, People of African descent, black people, are more affected by negative stories about ourselves because we come from a place of being targets of racism and the feelings of less than and inferior that racism can often foster. And so it feels like every time something bad happens, we have to put huge efforts into demonstrating from our behaviour that we are good people. And if you understand where it comes from, it becomes easy to see how our feelings can be transposed onto anything that black people do as being problematic or inferior or substandard if it's not done by Europeans, such as owning airlines and flying planes. However, when you research airline safety, what the airline industry says is that there are no dangerous airlines. There are just some airlines that are safer than others and they use a safety standard and a safety rating for that. There are about 400 airlines operating in the world in 2019 because a, a few of them have gone to the wall recently. And what you will see when you study airline safety is that there are some that constantly and consistently hit the high safety ranking and others that will constantly and consistently hit the low safety ranking. And when you get a low safety ranking, it tends to be because there might be things like wars going on in that country, like in Afghanistan, for example. They might not be able to operate passenger flights safely because of fears of planes being shot down, or they might not be able to get good quality pilots or good quality parts to maintain their aircraft. And it's things like these which drop them down the safety rankings. And so when you apply these kinds of safety standards, there are some countries that consistently hit the unsafe rankings for their airlines. And 
I mean, if you're interested, those countries are Indonesia, Korea, Afghanistan, Suriname, Nepal, and some small outback Russian airlines that are remnants of the big Aeroflot Russian airline company that was broken up when the Soviet Union was broken up. Um, there are some other names that hit the unsafe airline list because they run cargo planes, which are considered to not be as safe because of the reasons I gave earlier. And those are in places like Congo, Benin, Equatorial Guinea, Liberia and Gabon. And as I said, these African airlines tend to be cargo carrying airlines with checkered safety histories. Now, what makes an airline unsafe is that the airlines of the countries I've just mentioned are prevented from landing in Europe because of their safety records or because European countries set really high barriers of entry for people to be able to land in their airports. And if you don't have the resources to meet those barriers, then you simply cannot land there. And of all the lists of names I've given you, the one thing you'll notice is that Ethiopian Airlines is not on that list. But, you know, we have to be fair. Ethiopian Airlines is also not mentioned in the top 20 safest airlines. And that's because to make the top 20 list, you have to have a safety record going back at least 10 years with no loss of crew or no loss of passengers. And I mean, you'll quickly see the airlines that consistently make that list. And these are Air New Zealand, Alaska Airlines, all Nippon Airways, which is a Japanese airline, American Airlines, Austrian Airlines, British Airways, Cathay Pacific Airways, which is a Hong Kong airline, Emirates, Eva Air, Taiwanese, Finnair, Hawaiian Airlines, KLM from the Netherlands, Lufthansa from Germany, Qantas, which is Australian, Qatar Airways, self-explanatory, Scandinavian Airlines, Singapore Airlines, Swiss Air and the United Airlines and Virgin Group of Airlines, which covers the Atlantic and Australia. These airlines consistently make the list because they have safety records going back 30 years without any incident of crew or passenger fatality. I don't know exactly where Ethiopian Airlines fits in the safety rankings, but I do know it's closer to the top than the bottom. Ethiopian Airlines is the best African national carrier airline by far. Every year, this airline wins outstanding, 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 outstanding awards. And it's currently rated six out of seven stars. It lost a star for a passenger fatality, which happened in 2010. And you can imagine how Ethiopia Airlines feels. Its last fatality in an airline crash was in 2010. And March 2019 gave it nine years. And to make the top 20 and move your, or to move yourself up the list, you have to have a 10-year clear record of crew or passenger fatality. And you can imagine how Ethiopian Airlines feels because it has a nine-year non-fatality record. One year, a few months off its 10th year. And that airline would have moved up the list 
it would have had a 10-year clear period of crew and or passenger fatalities. And for me, this is why I love Ethiopian Airlines. That's why the airline took this plane crash so hard. Ethiopian Airlines does not take passenger safety lightly. When you travel with Ethiopian Airlines, you better be prepared to be security checked to within an inch of your life. And this is why Ethiopian Airways, I know I keep jumping between Ethiopian Airlines and Ethiopian Airways, but you know what I mean. This is why Ethiopian Airways acted so decisively to ground that jet that was involved in the crash. Because Ethiopian Airways does not joke with our safety. A few months away from that 10-year safety record, you can bet that Ethiopian Airways will not take the matter of nine years of hard work lightly. You know, they took it hard and they made it clear that they're not prepared to joke about. They have lost confidence in that aeroplane and I, for one, am really, really pleased that they have acted so decisively. And I'm not surprised because Ethiopian Airlines has an outstanding record of customer service and its attention to detail when it deals with safety. So I am not surprised that they acted decisively and they've grounded those jets and are clearly saying that they are not prepared to fly them until they know what the problem is. And they may never fly them again because Ethiopia is hurt by what has happened. Because they know that when you have passenger fatalities, it knocks public confidence. People worry. And you can imagine how those people would have felt who had to fly the next day with Ethiopian Airlines. So you know that Ethiopian Airlines will check those planes within an inch of their life to make sure that no further mishaps happen. Because Ethiopian Airlines is very, very clear. It is not the airline, it's the plane. So in case you're interested, I've booked my usual ticket with Ethiopian Airways. I took counsel from the Almighty and my husband and I'm satisfied that what will be will be. I'm satisfied that the problem is with the aircraft and not the airline. I would rather fly with an airline that I know has downed that troubled aircraft that caused the crash until they are sure the aircraft is safe. And I would rather fly with that airline than to fly with a different airline that might not have the rolling stock to do this. And they may be forced to still fly that aircraft that I do not believe is safe. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole of suggesting that the crash had anything to do with an African airline that might be inferior to any of the top 20 European airlines. I don't think it's helpful. And neither am I going to risk my life travelling with an inferior airline out of some nostalgic blind support. I have studied this thing and I know that the airline of my choice is safe. And even if I go down in an airline crash, it won't be because Ethiopian Airways is an unsafe airline. It will be because of a particular set of circumstances that have come together at that precise moment in time to cause that accident. 
And it's the same kinds of circumstances that you can't control every time you leave your home and you use public transport or you get into your car to drive on a motorway or down the local road or you're on foot and you're crossing the road. Sometimes there isn't anything we can do when circumstances conspire for something bad to happen. So I'm not going to let this incident, which is a very serious incident, put me off from travelling with what I believe to be one of the safest airlines in the world. So, I mean, I hope I haven't gone on too much and I hope in listening to the podcast, you managed to get something out of it. I'd really be interested to know what your views are, whether you share my views, whether you feel differently. You know, it's really interesting for us to have a dialogue about these matters. Because if we're going to live our best lives in Africa, remember, living your best life in Africa is a metaphor for living the best life that we want to live when we close our eyes and we dream about what that beautiful life would look like. But if we're ever going to do that, and we have to travel out of a Western country to do it, then we are going to have to get on a plane to get there. And so it's important for us to have these discussions now. Do you know what? I've really, really enjoyed this session because it's helped me to clarify a lot of points in my own mind. And I hope you were able to get something out of it too. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Living Your Best Life in Africa podcast. And my name is Dr. Asher, and I'll see you next week. Bye for now.